chapter twelve of andersonville a story of rebel military prisons by john mcelroy this librivox recording is in the public domain remarks as to nomenclature vaccination and its effects new yorkers their characteristics and their methods of operating before going any further in this narrative it may be well to state that the nomenclature employed is not used in any odious or disparaging sense it is simply the adoption of the usual terms employed by the soldiers of both sides in speaking to or of each other we habitually spoke of them and to them as rebels and johnnies they of and to us as yanks and yankees to have said confederates southerners secessionists or federalists unionists northerners or nationalists would have seemed useless euphemism the plainer term suited better and it was a day when things were more important than names for some inscrutable reason the rebels decided to vaccinate us all why they did this has been one of the unsolved problems of my life it is true that there was smallpox in the city and among the prisoners at danville but that any consideration for our safety should have led them to order general inoculation is not among the reasonable inferences but be that as it may vaccination was ordered and performed by great good luck i was absent from the building with the squad drawing rations when our room was inoculated so i escaped what was an infliction to all and fatal to many the direst consequences followed the operation foul ulcers appeared on various parts of the bodies of the vaccinated in many instances the arms literally rotted off and death followed from a corruption of the blood frequently the faces and other parts of those who recovered were disfigured by the ghastly cicatrices of healed ulcers a special friend of mine sergeant frank beaverstock then a member of the third virginia cavalry loyal and after the war a banker in bowling green oh bore upon his temple to his dying day which occurred a year ago a fearful scar where the flesh had sloughed off from the effects of the virus that had tainted his blood this i do not pretend to account for we thought at the time that the rebels had deliberately poisoned the vaccine matter with syphilitic virus and it was so charged upon them i do not now believe that this was so i can hardly think that members of the humane profession of medicine would be guilty of such subtle diabolism worse even than poisoning the wells from which an enemy must drink the explanation with which i have satisfied myself is that some careless or stupid practitioner took the vaccinating lymph from diseased human bodies and thus infected all with the blood venom without any conception of what he was doing the low standard of medical education in the south makes this theory quite plausible we now formed the acquaintance of a species of human vermin that united with the rebels cold hunger lice and the oppression of distraint to leave nothing undone that could add to the miseries of our prison life these were the fledglings of the slums and dives of new york graduates of that metropolitan sink of iniquity where the rogues and criminals of the whole world meet for mutual instruction in vice 
they were men who as a rule had never known a day of honesty and cleanliness in their misspent lives whose fathers brothers and constant companions were roughs malefactors and felons whose mothers wives and sisters were prostitutes procuresses and thieves men who had from infancy lived in an atmosphere of sin until it saturated every fibre of their being as a dweller in a jungle imbibes malaria by every one of his millions of pores until his very marrow is surcharged with it they included representatives from all nationalities and their descendants but the english and irish elements predominated they had an argot peculiar to themselves it was partly made up of the flash language of the london thieves amplified and enriched by the cant vocabulary and the jargon of crime of every european tongue they spoke it with a peculiar accent and intonation that made them instantly recognizable from the roughs of all other cities they called themselves nyarkers we came to know them as raiders if everything in the animal world has its counterpart among men then these were the wolves jackals and hyenas of the race at once cowardly and fierce audaciously bold when the power of numbers was on their side and cowardly when confronted with resolution by anything like an equality of strength like all other roughs and rascals of whatever degree they were utterly worthless as soldiers there may have been in the army some habitual corner loafer some fistic champion of the bar-room and brothel some terror of plug uglyville who was worth the salt and the hard tack he consumed but if there were i did not form his acquaintance and i never heard of any one else who did it was the rule that the man who was the readiest in the use of fist and slung-shot at home had the greatest diffidence about forming a close acquaintance with gold lead in the neighbourhood of the front thousands of the so-called dangerous classes were recruited from whom the government did not receive so much service as would pay for the buttons on their uniforms people expected that they would make themselves as troublesome to the rebels as they were to good citizens and the police but they were only pugnacious to the provost guard and terrible to the people in the rear of the army who had anything that could be stolen the highest type of soldier which the world has yet produced is the intelligent self-respecting american boy with home and father and mother and friends behind him and duty in front beckoning him on in the sixty centuries that war has been a profession no man has entered its ranks so calmly resolute in confronting danger so shrewd and energetic in his aggressiveness so tenacious of the defence and the assault so certain to rise swiftly to the level of every emergency as the boy who in the good old phrase had been well raised in a god-fearing home and went to the field in obedience to a conviction of duty his unfailing courage and good sense won fights that the incompetency or cankering jealousy of commanders had lost high officers were occasionally disloyal or willing to sacrifice their country to personal pique still more frequently they were ignorant and inefficient but the enlisted man had more than enough innate soldiership to make amends for these deficiencies and his superb conduct often brought honours and promotions to those only who deserved shame and disaster our new yorkers swift to see any opportunity for dishonest gain had taken to bounty jumping or as they termed it leapin the bounty for a livelihood 
those who were thrust in upon us had followed this until it had become dangerous and then deserted to the rebels the latter kept them at castle lightning for a while and then rightly estimating their character and considering that it was best to trade them off for a genuine rebel soldier sent them in among us to be exchanged regularly with us there was not so much good faith as good policy shown by this it was a matter of indifference to the rebels how soon our government shot these deserters after getting them in its hands again they were only anxious to use them to get their own men back the moment they came into contact with us our troubles began they stole whenever opportunities offered and they were indefatigable in making these offer they robbed they by actual force whenever force would avail and more obsequious lick spittles to power never existed they were perpetually on the lookout for a chance to curry favour by betraying some plan or scheme to those who guarded us i saw one day a queer illustration of the audacious side of these fellows characters and it shows at the same time how brazen effrontery will sometimes get the better of courage in a room in an adjunct building were a number of these fellows and a still greater number of east tennesseans these latter were simple ignorant folks but reasonably courageous about fifty of them were sitting in a group in one corner of the room and near them a couple or three new yorkers suddenly one of the latter said with an oath i was robbed last night i lost two silver watches a couple of rings and about fifty dollars in greenbacks i believe some of you fellows went through me this was all pure invention he no more had the things mentioned than he had purity of heart and a christian spirit but the unsophisticated tennesseans did not dream of disputing his statement and answered in chorus oh no mister we didn't take your things we ain't that kind this was likely the reply of the lamb to the wolf in the fable and the new yorker retorted with a simulated storm of passion and a torrent of oaths blah blah i know ye did i know some of yees has got them stand up agin the wall there till i search yees and that old fifty men any one of whom was physically equal to the new yorker and his superior in point of real courage actually stood against the wall and submitted to being searched and having taken from them the few confederate bills they had and such trinkets as the searcher took a fancy to i was thoroughly disgusted End of chapter 12